0: Christmas service planned. We've been going through the book of James for the past several months, but we're going to pause and reflect upon the first advent of Jesus Christ and the second advent of Jesus Christ. It's interesting that TGD brought some commentary to that this morning through the music, and I thought that was interesting because that's kind of where we're going today is we're going to talk about both advents. And did you know the song Joy to the World, the famous classic Christmas song, is actually originally written about the second advent of Jesus Christ? Did anybody know that? Joy to the World originally was written about the second advent of Jesus Christ. We use it for the first advent, which it works for that too, but it's interesting that the writer was thinking about the second coming of Jesus Christ, and we're going to talk about that today as well. Today's lesson is going to be called Hindsight is 2020. Hindsight is 2020. Yes, it's a play on words. But we're going to look at the Christmas uh, lesson today through the Word of God. We're going to mainly be in Isaiah chapter 53 about the prophecy of the Christ. But before we get to that, are you glad that the year 2020 is coming to an end? Anyone glad the year 2020 is coming to an end? If we were honest, we're a little glad to maybe see that chapter end and the new year come. But my follow-up question is, did you find anything good about this year? Did you find anything good about this year? Was there anything good and redeemable from 2020? I hope there was. I hope you would say yes to that. Well, I have come up with my top ten list of things that 2020 taught us. (laughs) Top ten things. Now I'm back. Hello, everybody. Top 10 things that the year 2020 has taught us. And maybe you can think of your own list. This is the list that I came up with. So just listen to these and think about maybe some of the good that came from 2020. Number one, first thing 2020 has taught us is that toilet paper is now more valuable than gold bars. So if anyone's looking to invest, just buy a bunch of Charmin, put it in your basement and just pack it away. And one day it'll eventually be worth more than gold bars. So that's something new. That's something I didn't know. Is that uh, angel Angel Soft and Charmin are now worth more than gold? Uh, number two, COVID nineteen has become the new Salem witch trials. When somebody coughs near us in a store, it's time to string them up. As long as their, as well as their whole family, string them up. Or, or maybe, like me, you kind of separate yourself from that person and move an aisle down. Even though you're not done with that aisle, you need to move away from that person because they coughed. You know, <laughs> so. It's become the new Salem Witch Trials, unfortunately. Number three thing 2020 has taught us, as much as we hate wearing masks, where's my mask? It was up here. They're pretty good concealers for some bad habits like picking our noses and muttering things underneath our breath. So it kind of depends how you look at it. I'm just teasing on that one, of course. Uh, Number four thing 2020 taught us is the song There's No Place Like Home for the Holidays has taken on a whole new meaning. In fact, I think we could take that song and now transfer it to Halloween because now it has an eerie feeling to it. There's no place like home home for the holidays. Number four, number five thing we learned from 2020 is every introvert on the planet had the best year of their lives. So we all took one for the team. All those who aren't introverts, we took one for the team and introverts. You guys had a fantastic year. You're welcome. So enjoy that. Uh, Number six thing we learned about 2020 is the term business casual, now now refers to your favorite pair of stained sweats. (laughs) Business casual can now refer to your favorite pair of stained sweats. Thank you, 2020. Number seven thing 2020 taught us is that I am now on a first name and nickname basis with all my UPS drivers. Hello, Jimbo. Good to see you again, buddy. See you tomorrow. Uh, First name and nickname basis with all my UPS drivers. Number eight. Every parent has a new appreciation for teachers. Hey, my mother-in-law is a teacher. I have a new appreciation for teachers. And we also have a renewed hatred for school. So I grew up hating school, and now that my children are on virtual school, I hate it again. So thank you, 2020. No offense to the teachers. We love teachers. Number nine thing 2020 taught us is that hand sanitizer tastes horrible. What? What does that even mean? Hand, uh, hand sanitizer does not taste good. I don't know if you guys, I told you guys, I'm like a nail biter, which is a really gross habit to have. But I put the hand sanitizer on and then later I bite my nails and I'm like, is that? What is that stuff in my mouth? And it's hand sanitizer. So. I'm probably really sanitized though. So thank you, 2020. Uh, number 10 thing that 2020 has taught us is that getting someone a yearly planner for Christmas is now seen as a hate crime. So thank you, 2020. It's now a gag gift. Uh, What do they call them? White elephant gifts? Getting someone a yearly planner is now seen as a white elephant gift. Well, hopefully there's been some redeemable things. Those are jokes. But hopefully there's some redeemable things about the year 2020. And we're going to call our lesson today, Hindsight is 2020. And we'll explain that as we go. But we've used the word Advent around this time of year. You guys have probably heard that word. Christy every year brings our children Advent calendars. You guys ever open one of those Advent calendars on every day? There's a little piece of chocolate, and my kids get really excited for that every day. It's like Christmas. So it's an Advent calendar, and it's counting down to the day when we celebrate the day that Christ came to this earth. So I looked up the word Advent, and I got two definitions for the word Advent. Number one definition for Advent is the arrival of a notable person, thing, or event. Advent means the arrival of a notable person, thing, or event. The second definition for advent is the first or second coming of Christ. And notice that definition, the first or second coming of Christ. So we are now celebrating the first advent of Jesus Christ, but there is another advent to come and even the dictionary online recognizes that there is a second advent coming. I just find that so interesting. And so what we want to do today is we want to we want to ask two questions. Two questions we want to answer today, okay? What do we know about the first advent of Jesus Christ? And then, second of all, what do we know about the second advent of Jesus Christ? We simply want to answer those two questions in an effort to celebrate the season and also prepare our hearts for Christ's second advent. So, what do we know about the first advent and what do we know about the second advent? Perhaps you guys have heard the phrase hindsight is 2020. Anyone ever heard that phrase? Hindsight is 2020. So, basically, what it means is we can all see clearly after something has taken place. So now that we're ending the year of 2020, we all know what 2020 would look like because we all went through it. So hindsight is 2020. And the implication of hindsight is 2020 is that none of us can see clearly before something happens. How would we know? How would we know 2020 would look the way it did? None of us knew that. None of us knew 2020 would be what it has been. But hindsight, we all know because hindsight is 2020. Well, if you could tell, our little title today is, is a play on words because of the crazy year we've just had. Hindsight is 2020. If some of you remember back to the first lesson I ever spoke at the beginning of this year, maybe you don't remember back, but I'm going to tell you right now. At the beginning of this year, I, I titled a lesson, Having 2020 Vision. Does anyone remember that? And I was very witty when I did that. That's very witty of me. But I titled it Having 2020 Vision, and now at the end of the lesson, at the end of the year, we're, we're calling it Hindsight is 2020, so you have a very clever <laughs> pastor. But in that lesson, God was reminding us that 2020 should be about living for his glory. That's what the lesson was about, to remind us that God's glory is the thing that we should live for, the year should be about. But the famous boxer Mike Tyson once said, everyone has a strategy until you get punched in the face, Right? And in March of 2020, we all got punched in the face and knocked off our feet by something called COVID-19. And sadly, because of that, many of us lost sight of the glory of God. We didn't know how to handle 2020 and all the hardships it brought. So a lot of us, myself included, got knocked off our feet and punched in the mouth a little bit. So now we fast forward nine months, and here we are. And now hindsight is 2020. And you hear this a lot, that maybe 2020 has been the hardest year of our lives. Maybe the hardest year anyone has ever experienced. That nobody has ever had the sorts of challenges that we've had to face in the year 2020. Well, maybe that's true and maybe it's not true. Because we're going to rewind the clock now, 2020 years ago, close to 2021 years ago. And we're going to see how people tried to handle a very p- tricky piece of news in the year zero. The year zero. By now, now we all know the Christmas story, right? An angel of the Lord came to Mary and Joseph and told them that they were going to give birth to the Christ child. And that Christ child was going to save his people from their sins. Can you guys imagine getting that piece of news as parents? You're going to give birth to the Christ child. And that child is going to save the world from their sins. I remember when we got a piece of news as parents that we were going to have identical twin boys. Remember that piece of news, Janine? And I was stunned. I'm still stunned by that news. I still can't believe we have twins, even though it's six years later. That was shocking news to hear as a parent that I'm going to have identical twins. But I can only imagine what Mary and Joseph were trying to process when the angel said, you're going to give birth to the Christ. The long-awaited Messiah is going to come through you guys. And we have the benefit of hindsight, and we know who the Christ child is, thankfully. We know why he came, We know how his life would end. And we know that death would not be the end of his story, but only the beginning. But Jesus' parents couldn't have known all that, right? The shepherds and the wise men that we just read about couldn't have known any of that. They knew that the Christ was here and that Christ's child had come and God was going to do something special through him. But how would they know that Jesus would die on a cross? How could they possibly know that three days after he died on the cross... He would raise from the grave. And most certainly, they didn't know that only a few days after he arose from the grave, he would ascend back into the sky and return back to heaven and sit on the throne of God. They didn't know that. How could they? How could they know that? But we can because hindsight is 2020. And just like today's version of us, 2020, or December 20, 2020, boy, that's a tongue twister. Today is December 20, 2020. Say that five times fast. But today's version could give a lot of wisdom to January's version of us in the year 2020. Isn't that true? If we could rewind and go back in time and give ourselves a piece of wisdom, we could give ourselves a lot of wisdom, the version of us today. Because we can use our hindsight 2020 vision to help ourselves grapple with some really difficult news. And and we have the benefit of hindsight to look at the Christ child and go, this is what it was going to look like. This is what he's going to do. And we have that amazing benefit. But I want to very succinctly and very briefly mention a few items or misconceptions about the Christ's birth. Things that Joseph and Mary and the shepherds and the wise men and the entire world wouldn't have known about until he was born and lived his life. So what are some misconceptions? I have three misconceptions about the Christ child they are going to look at today in an effort to see this hindsight. Number one is that Jesus was going to be earthly royalty. The Christ child was going to be born. The misconception, number one, is that he was going to be royalty on earth. The king, the Messiah, the Christ child has been born. He's certainly going to be powerful and rich. And you can only imagine what would have been expected if you understood that Christ, the Messiah, the king of the universe had come to this earth, what his life would have looked like. He had to have been the richest of the rich, the mightiest of the mighty. He must have lived in a palace of the likes we have never seen before. I mean, he's the Christ. He's the Messiah. He's the King of Kings. He would have so many servants at his disposal and would have 24-7 praise from the likes of the entire world, right? That's what you'd expect for the Christ child. He's the King of Kings. He's the Lord of Lords. He's the Savior of the worlds, of the world. Imagine what the King of all the other kings would look and act like. He would be magnificent. He would be of such wealth, such pomp, such power that no one would mess with him. And everyone would treat him with the utmost respect. Right? Isn't that what was going to happen? Surely that's what was going to take place. And this is actually how the religious leaders of the day expected the Messiah to look like when he came to this earth. In fact, many modern-day Jews sadly still reject Jesus for this reason. Because Jesus didn't come in wealth. He didn't come in pomp or earthly power, power or royalty. He didn't defeat the Roman Empire like they thought he would. And therefore, the Christ could not have been Jesus, the son of a carpenter. But we, we all have the benefit of hindsight, and we all shake our heads at people like that and go, man, can't you see, can't you see that the Christ was Jesus? Of course it's Jesus. But you and I know things that people in Jesus' current day couldn't have possibly have known. But is that true? Is that actually true? Did the people in Jesus day not know what to expect? Well, yes, we do have the benefit of hindsight and hindsight is generally 2020, but the Christ child did not come out of nowhere with no context and no commentary following him. He was prophesied about thousands of years before he came. Thousands of years. Several of God's prophets told us exactly what to expect the Christ child, the Christ to look like upon the earth. We're going to look at a passage, excuse me, a passage from Isaiah 53. I've got to take a drink. This passage from Isaiah 53 is one of the most powerful passages I've ever read in the the Bible. And I want to look at this in three different sections today. I want to look at verses 1 to 3. I'm going to look at another paragraph and then a third paragraph from the same chapter. And I want you to notice the prophecy about the Christ child that was to come. Listen to what it says in verses 1 to 3 of Isaiah 53. This is the prophecy about the Christ. This is what was told about the Christ to come. Isaiah writing says, Who has believed what he has heard from us and to whom, of the, whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Several hundred years before he actually came to this earth. So why were people confused about Jesus' meager upbringing and his meek lifestyle? Why did they expect him to be earthly royalty? There's the prophecy right there. He would have no former majesty that we should look at him and no beauty that we should desire him. Hindsight is 2020, but when someone with perfect knowledge of what's going to take place tells you exactly what's going to happen, then everyone should have 2020 vision of what's to come. Isn't it true? The passage in Isaiah 53 was exactly the same then as it is today. It has not changed one bit. So why did people not notice this Jesus? Why did they not notice him? He lined up perfectly with the prophecy written about him several hundred years before he came. He lived exactly the way he said it said he would. And that's misconception number one is that Jesus would come in earthly royalty, pomp, power, and wealth. He did not. And it was told to us that he would not. Misconception number two. The second misconception about the Christ is that The Christ would have a huge following, right? He would be a dynamic, charismatic, and maybe even eccentric leader. People would flock to him and follow him no matter what came out of his mouth. And the only enemies he might have are some raving lunatics because most of us would fall down at his feet and worship him because of obviously how special and sacred he actually is. But is that what happened? Is that what happened? To those of us who know the story, that's not at all what took place. In fact, Jesus lived the perfect, sinless, sacrificially loving life according to the will of God, yet many people sought to kill him. And when they did eventually crucify him, he didn't even defend himself, but he willingly let the crucifixion take place. This is a strange story. It's a very bizarre story. It's not a story we're used to. How could anyone have expected that to happen? That's such an unusual plot. The Christ, the Messiah, the King of the universe would come to this world and he wouldn't live in a palace. He wouldn't be rich. He wouldn't be lofty. He would act like a servant. He was a son of a carpenter and people wouldn't flock to him and follow him and bow to him. And they rejected him and blasphemed him and eventually crucified him. Instead of being rich, affluent, and lofty, he would be rather poor and meek. And when he tells everyone the message of the gospel, the good news that the Savior came to this world to save their people, save his people from their sins, they would, they would reject his message. They would seek to destroy him, and they would hang him on a cross. They would treat him like the worst of sinners, even though he acted entirely righteously and lovingly his entire time upon the earth. And then when they did all of that, the king of kings would simply let it happen to him. And he wouldn't even fight for his rights. He wouldn't even defend himself. Right? Old kings. If you crossed an old king, you heard the phrase, off with their heads. Right? You cross an old king, treason against the king, that's the end of your life. They bring you to the gallows, they let your head separate from your body, and that's the end of your life. You don't cross the king. But hundreds, maybe thousands, crossed the king, and Jesus let it happen. How could anyone expect that to happen this way? Why would that happen? Why would anyone expect that? See, we have the benefit of hindsight, but how can we blame anyone during the day to not expect that to happen? Well, let's continue reading our prophecy in Isaiah 53, because it continues telling us what the Christ would look like and act like. In verse seven to nine, we bump ahead a little bit. He says he was oppressed and he was afflicted. Yet he opened not his mouth, like a lamb that is led to the slaughter, and like a sheep that before its shears is silent. So he opened not his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away. And it for, and as for his generation, who considered? that he was cut off out of the land of the living, stricken for the transgression of my people. And they made his grave with the wicked and with a rich man in his death, although he had done no violence and there was no deceit in his mouth. Is that Jesus, guys? Is that exactly what happened with our Lord Jesus? He was loving and righteous his entire time. There was no violence and no deceit in his mouth. But he was led like a lamb to the slaughter and... Like a sheep before his shears is silent, so he opened not his mouth. Hundreds of years before the Christ came, that's what they said he would look like. That's what he said he would act like. Yes, hindsight is 20-20. But everyone had access to the very specific prophecy and details about the Christ's life and death. If anyone would have paid attention to the prophecies about Jesus, then his life and his death would actually stamp him as the Messiah. And people would flock to him for salvation. But they didn't. They didn't. They didn't pay attention to the clearly stated prophecy about the Christ that was going to take place. See, Jesus actually did have a pretty big following. Only it was a following of a revolving door of people. Some would come in, some would leave, some just wanted to be around what was popular and famous. Jesus was kind of like a polarizing celebrity. Some loved him, some hated him, and some just wanted to see what would happen when they were around a famous person. So it might have looked like on the surface that Jesus had this massive following, but in all reality, if you know the gospel and the the scriptures, he had 12 disciples minus one because Judas was a fraud. He had a few faithful godly women too and a handful of others, but besides that, most people missed Jesus. And most did not follow him the way he deserves or the way he expected. But why? The prophecy about the Christ was completely accessible and even taught in the temples week after week and year after year. How did they miss the Christ? Third misconception about Jesus' first advent. Number three. Jesus is God's son. He's the son of God of the Almighty God, the only begotten Son of God, so that even if Jesus doesn't defend himself, at the doorstep of being crucified, surely his Father, the Almighty God, would fight for his own Son. And if Jesus ends up dying anyways, it would prove that God doesn't vouch for him. And therefore, he's not the Messiah. If Jesus dies, clearly that means he's not The Christ. That was misconception number three. At least that seems like a logical train to follow, does it not? If the Christ dies, surely that's not the Christ. But according to the prophecy in Isaiah 53 given to us about Jesus, we find something pretty shocking. Listen to the language in verses 10 to 11. It says, Yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. He has put him to grief. When his soul makes an offering for guilt, he shall see his offspring. He shall prolong his days. The will of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Out of the anguish of his soul, he shall see and be satisfied. By his knowledge shall the righteous one, my servant, make many to be accounted righteous. And he shall bear their iniquities. We don't need hindsight to know that Jesus was going to die. He was supposed to die as a part of God's plan that he revealed to the world through many prophets like Isaiah. We just needed to listen and look carefully at the prophecies about the Christ. Isaiah says it was the will of the Lord to crush him. Do you see that? Do you notice that? Is that in your Bible as well? It was the will of the Lord to crush him. It was God's will for his son to die. Because through the death of Jesus, many sinners would be Made righteous, or we use the term saved, through Jesus' perfect righteous sacrifice. And not only would he die, but his death and his resurrection would actually validate that Jesus is the Messiah of God, that he is the Savior of the world, that he is the only Savior sent to save us from our sins. His death is the proof of his authenticity. Isn't that ironic? the fact that he did die that he was crucified proves he was the Christ and just like the prophecy foretold Jesus did exactly as it said he would the prophecy about Jesus and the life of death and the life and death of Jesus synced up perfectly with 100% accuracy that Jesus is the Christ and is the lamb of god that came to take away the sins of the world Now, if someone claims comes to this earth and claims to be the Son of God and they don't have any profound validation from God, do not believe them. If someone says, I'm the Christ, I'm the Son of God, follow me with your life, but there is no profound validation that he is the Christ from God himself, then do not follow him. But we can line up the life of Jesus with the prophecy of Jesus and it is 100% the way it was supposed to look like. And there, right there, is your validation that he's not just a historical figure. He's not just a good teacher or a moral man. He's the Christ, the Messiah, the Savior that was coming into the world. Isn't that great to know? Jesus is the Messiah. He is the Christ. He is the only begotten Son of God. He is the Lamb of God and the Savior of the world. Praise the Lord for that good news celebrate that news boldly this Christmas season. Celebrate it boldly. But you see, the good news is all setting up the news of the second advent of Jesus. Very similar news to the first. Just as it was foretold about us that Jesus' first coming in Isaiah 53, we have another prophecy coming about the second advent of Jesus Christ. And just like the first advent, we don't have to wait for hindsight to know and see clearly about Jesus. We can simply open the scriptures and listen to and believe the very clearly stated prophecy about the second coming of Jesus. What do we know about Jesus' second advent? Well, in Revelation 22, we find the prophecy about the second advent of Jesus. Okay, This is what we're going to focus our attention on for the rest of today. The second advent of Jesus is also foretold. It's also given to us in very clearly stated language. This is what's going to happen. This is what you should expect. This is the prophecy of the Christ's second advent, the next time he comes to this world. Let us read it now in Revelation chapter 22, verses 6 to 21. And he said to me, these words are trustworthy and true. And the Lord, the God of the spirits of the prophets, has sent his angel to show his servants what must soon take place. Notice the language. And behold, I am coming soon. Blessed is the one who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. I, John, and the one who heard and saw these things, and when I heard and saw them, I fell down to worship at the feet of the angel who showed them to me. But he said to me, You must not do that. I am a fellow servant with you and your brothers and the prophets and with those who... Keep the words of God. Keep the words of this book. Worship God. And he said to me, Do not seal up the words of the prophecy of this book, for the time is near. Let the doers still do evil. Let the filthy still be filthy, and the righteous still do right, and the holy still be holy. Behold, I am coming soon, bringing my recompense with me, to repay each one for what he has done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes so that they may have the right to the tree of life and that they may enter the city by the gates. Outside of the dogs and sorcerers and the sexually immoral and murderers and idolaters and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you about these things for the churches I am the root and the descendant of David, the bright morning star. The spirit and the bride say, Come. And let the one who hears say, Come. And let the one who is thirsty come. Let the one who desires to take the water of life without price. I warn everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book. If anyone adds to them, God will add to him the plagues described in this book. And if anyone takes away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God will take away his share in the tree of life and in the holy city, which are described in this book. He who testifies to these things says, Surely I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with all. Amen. We celebrate Jesus' first advent today, and we should. We should. Because the first advent men are chance at eternal salvation. Jesus came to this earth so that sin and the consequences of sin do not have to be the end of our stories. Man, I am so thankful for that. That my sinful lifestyle and the consequences of that lifestyle do not have to be my last chapter. I told you my favorite Christmas movie is A Christmas Carol. In that movie, Ebenezer Scrooge is a miser and a wretch and a miserable person. But he's visited by three spirits in one night. And we find out in that movie that Ebenezer Scrooge's story wasn't completely written yet. He has one more chance to find redemption. Only our story today is not fictional. It's real. This story is real. It actually happened. It's actually happening now, and it will actually happen in the future. And it's the best news that was ever reported. Do you know that? You do not have to remain a sinner. You do not have to be destined for hell any longer. The Savior has come To the earth. See, none of us expected the year 2020 to be the way that it was. But we all know now what the rest of 2020 is going to look like. And we're all bracing for 2021 because we think it's possible 2021 looks similar to 2020. And why do we think that way? Because we have hindsight and hindsight is 2020. So now thanks to hindsight we're all preparing for bracing for 2021. Because it might bring similar challenges that 2020 had. You could say we're cautiously optimistic that maybe if we turn the calendar 2021 just automatically gets better, but we're also mentally prepared in case it doesn't, right? In case 2021 is similar to 2020. And we find ourselves in limbo today. We are between The first advent and the second advent of Jesus Christ. We're right in the middle of the two. The first advent of Jesus already happened and the second advent of Jesus is going to happen soon. According to the prophecy, I am coming soon. And thanks to the prophecy of the word of God, we have the benefit of having hindsight already. We have it already. Even though the second advent has not come yet. I want you to imagine how much different the year 2020 would have been if we knew what was going to take place. We would have had strategies and things to deal with 2020 and everything that's happened this year. And although the year still would have been hard, it would have been much smoother because we would have had strategies. We would have had a mental preparation, right? 2020, we would have been ready. We would have braced for impact. But we were thrown off our feet because we had no idea what to expect in 2020. In our modern day, with our technology that we have, we have the ability to predict bad storms, right? We have the, the, the ability with technology to predict bad storms, sometimes weeks before they even come to us. These reports can be wrong, of course, but at least we have some sort of heads up. Before a hurricane or what just experienced this past week, a nor'easter came to the northeast and dumped a whole bunch of snow on us. And they told us several days, I think even a week before It happened that the storm was going to come and get ready, get your house prepared, get supplies well before the storm comes so that you're ready. Or three years ago, there was a storm called Stella. Does anyone remember Storm Stella? In our town, at least, it dumped over 30 inches of snow in one snowfall, 30 some inches we woke up to. And they called it uh, Snowmageddon. Snowmageddon is what they called Storm Stella, or the storm of the century. Snowmageddon. But imagine if we had no warning system for storms. Imagine if we had zero warning about storms. A massive storm just came out of nowhere with no warning at all. What would be the damages to homes? What would be the damages to businesses and lives? Wouldn't the damage be way worse than if we had a few days or a few weeks to prepare for the storm? Thankfully, the God of the universe is a loving God. And he is unwilling to let us be caught unawares by a massive, coming, eternal storm. Because there is a massive, coming, eternal storm. God's word has promised it. It is going to come. It's huge, it's massive, and it's eternal. To call this storm the storm of the century would be to greatly undermine this storm. This storm is going to be unlike any storm we have ever seen before. The storm that will one day soon take place will make the year 2020 seem like a walk through a grassy meadow in comparison. Now the worst storm that currently ever took place in the history of the world is the one that happened in Noah's day. It literally flooded the entire earth and destroyed 99% of the population. Now, 2020 is bad. The coronavirus is tricky. And many of the several storms we've faced in the last few years have been daunting. But the entire world was flooded and 99% of the population died. Now, that's a storm. That is a storm. And the most tragic thing to consider about that entire story is that these people had a prophecy or a warning about the storm for perhaps a hundred years or so. The storm is coming. Please prepare for it. But sadly, they failed to listen to God, and Noah and his family were the only survivors, and most people died in the flood. It's a truly sad and tragic story, because that didn't have to happen that way. But the coming storm that God is talking about today in this prophecy is going to be much Worse than the storm of Noah. Much worse than that storm. Because the storm, once it starts, will never end. If you're caught in the next storm, that's your destiny for the rest of eternity. And this storm is going to be sent by the holy, righteous, almighty God against what is sinful and evil. This storm is going to be absolutely devastating. Guys, but this storm is good. This storm is good because the entire intent of this storm is to destroy what is evil. Only what is evil. Evil will be destroyed forever and only evil will be destroyed forever. The storm that is coming, it's massive and it's eternal, but it's good. It's good. It's a good storm. And just like Jesus' first coming, there's a prophecy given to us in God's word, or you might call it a weather report. So that we all have ample time and warning to prepare for the coming storm. And here is why we need to take this warning seriously. Everyone, all of us, are evil by nature. And the storm that is coming is sent to destroy what is evil. See, unlike most storms that happen on the earth, they only affect one part of the world, right? One part of the country. I asked my parents, if you guys got the same kind of snow that we got this past storm, and my father-in-law said, no, we didn't. We got like a dusting. And we got feet, close to feet of snow. So typically when a storm happens, I mean, one little section of the world or the country gets it, and everyone else doesn't get it, right? That's typically how most storms happen. But the storm that is coming, according to this prophecy, is sent to destroy every single person who is a sinner. I want you to raise your hand if you've ever sinned. Marcus. Raise that hand, buddy. Raise that hand. All of us have sinned. All of us. Which means we're all, by nature, evil. See, what we do is we call sinners, we call them imperfect people. We're just not perfect people. We're, you know, we're sinners. We're not perfect people. But God's word actually has very different terms for people like us. He says things like evil, wicked, detestable in his eyes. That's the kind of language God uses for people like us. The holy, righteous God has no kind language for sin or those who practice it. And unfortunately, we all practice sin by nature. Even children. Can any parent validate that? Children by nature are sinners. They don't have to be taught how to sin. They have to be taught how not to sin. Because we're all sinners by nature. And so far, this is pretty depressing news. We're all sinful, and therefore we're all doomed. No. That's not true. Because of what we just learned. Jesus came to this earth to save us from our sins and the consequences of that lifestyle. If we listen closely to Jesus and we turn to him by faith, he will actually change us from completely evil to fully righteous in the eyes of God, the only eyes that matter. As long as we give full submission of our lives to Jesus. And we're reminded of this good news today and we celebrate the fact that sinners have hope. Sinners have a chance to find eternal life and salvation Through Jesus with God. As long as you have faith in Jesus, you're fully righteous in the eyes of God. And that is the Christmas story. That's exactly why we celebrated this time of year, because the Savior came. And without the Savior, we're all doomed. But why the second warning then? Why this second warning? If Jesus came to save us all, why does he warn us of a coming eternal storm And the answer is quite simple. Because we're all pretty stupid people. As soon as we hear that a couple snowflakes are coming to our area, we all rush to the grocery store to get bread, milk, toilet paper, and batteries for 12 years to come. Because a couple snowflakes are coming. So we stock our garages with batteries and toilet paper, just in case. But when the Almighty God tells us that a Savior was sent to save us, and that we, we need to make absolutely sure that we submit our lives to Jesus because there is no other Savior and there is no other hope for us. We all go, yeah, okay, whatever. And we continue living our lives in sin as if there is no Savior that ever came. So God looks upon the world 2,000 or so years later after the Savior has come and he says something like, yep. They need another warning. They're not taking this seriously. Most of them are still not preparing for this coming eternal storm. So in Revelation 22, God does the difficult but loving work. He warns us again. And his warning is pretty scary. It's pretty scary. If you read the book of Revelation in the chapter we just read, it's a little scary to think about. But he knows that just like in the days of Noah, there's a good chance many of us will not take the warning seriously and we'll all die. Only this time, we're not just going to die on the earth. We're going to die forever in a place called hell because we refuse to go to the Savior to have our sins forgiven and to be saved from our sinful lifestyle. And God does not want that to happen to any of us. So let's listen to the warning again. But before we do that, let us remember that this is still the good news of the gospel. This prophecy in Revelation 22 is still the good news of the gospel As scary as the warning is, the storm is so much worse. And therefore, the warning was sent in love to prepare us so that we can find safety from the coming eternal storm. Let's read it again. Revelation 22, 6 to 21. He said it. He said to me, these words are trustworthy and true. This isn't a joke. This isn't a fairy tale. It's trustworthy and it's true. And the Lord, of the God of spirits of the prophets, has sent his angel to show his servants what must soon take place and behold I'm coming soon blessed is the one who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book I John and the one who heard and saw these things and when I heard and saw them I fell down to worship at the feet of the angel who showed them to me but he said to me you must not do that for I am a fellow servant with you and your brothers the prophets and with those who keep the words of the book of this of the words of this book he said worship God And he said to me, Do not seal up the words of the prophecy of this book, for the time is near. Let the evil doers still do evil, let the filthy still be filthy, and the righteous still do right, and the holy still be holy. Behold, I am coming soon, bringing my recompense or payment or commission with me to repay each one for what he has done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes so that they may have the right to the tree of life and that they may enter the city by the the gates. Outside of the dogs and the sorcerers and the sexually immoral and the murderers and idolaters and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you about the things written for the churches. I am the root and the descendant of David, the bright morning star. The spirit and the bride say, come, come, And let the one who hears say, come. And let the one who is thirsty, come. Let the one who desires to take the water of life without price. I warn everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book. If anyone adds to them, God will add to him the plagues described in this book. And if anyone takes away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God will take away his share in the tree of life and in this holy city which are described in this book. He who testifies to these things says, surely... I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with all. Amen. And that's our lesson today. Jesus is coming soon. This is not a joke. It's not a fairy tale. It's not a can you imagine if. Jesus is coming again soon. Only this time... As the judge, he's going to come and judge all of us to see if we're still evil or if we're righteous. And if we're still evil, when he returns, we're doomed. We're doomed because he sent the Savior to save us so that we might become righteous. See, Jesus is the Savior and the judge of the world. He's the Savior and the judge of the world. And the interesting thing about the gospel is that the only safety from the coming storm is inside the storm giver. Weather experts say that in a hurricane, you're safe as long as you're inside the eye of the storm. As long as you're inside the eye, which I don't know how you could stay there, but if you could stay inside the eye of a hurricane, you're safe. And in our storm, you're safe as long as you're inside the storm giver. The refuge is Jesus himself. He's the storm giver, and he's the refuge from the storm. He's both the judge and the one causing the storm. And he's also the one able to protect us from the storm. You might ask the question, well, if Jesus is the refuge from the storm and the one causing the storm, then why bring the storm at all? And that's a good question. It is. It's a good question. And the answer is because of this evil has to be destroyed. It has to be destroyed. See, God is not like us. We typically shrug off evil like it's no big deal. But God is righteous. We talked about that in our attributes of God. He's righteous. And he cannot and he will not let evil continue. Evil has to be conquered and destroyed. And there's only two options. There's only two options for God. Destroy everybody because we're all evil. That's option number one. Destroy them all. They're all evil by nature. Destroy everybody. That's option one. Option two is find a way to fix us and save us so that we're not evil anymore. If the evil is removed and if the evil is paid for, we can be spared. We can be righteous. We don't have to let the storm destroy us like most of the people did in Noah's day. We can turn to Jesus now and be safe for the rest of eternity but we have to see this warning as good news. It's good news that God warns us. And we have to recognize that hindsight is 2020. Just like we did in the just like they did in the days of Noah, the storm did come just as God said it would. Jesus was born in a manger just like God said he would. Jesus died just like God said he would. He rose from the grave just like God said he would and he's coming again soon just like God said he will. If we listen to this warning today, we're going to submit our lives to Jesus. We're going to make absolutely sure that we are inside the eternal refuge when the storm comes because everyone who is not inside of Jesus when the storm comes is going to be destroyed. It's a promise from God. And God does not want that to happen to anybody. I want you to notice the language from a verse in 2 Peter 3, verse 9. Listen to this verse. This is a promise from God. It says, The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness. So why the delay? God, just comes swiftly with your judgment. Why the wait? Why the patience? It says, But he is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. The reason God has not come yet, Jesus has not come yet, is for your sake and for my sake so that we do not die. He's given us a long birth, a long time to repent and turn to Jesus while we can. Turn from your sin and turn to Jesus with your life. So the first Advent and the second Advent are both good news. They're both good news. And if we have the hindsight to look back and the faith to look forward, then we will sing Christmas carols to our Lord for the rest of eternity. Yes, the year 2020 has been a rough year. It's been a weird, rough year. But if we listen to God today, today could be the day. This year could be the year of our salvation. It could be the year we get real, lasting hope. It could be the year we finally get the hindsight and the foresight we need to see clearly. It could be the year we finally give our entire lives to Jesus so that we have nothing to fear tomorrow. We have nothing to fear in the year 2021. And most importantly, we will have nothing to fear at Judgment Day when the judge of the universe will be our Savior and the very one we're safely tucked inside for the rest of eternity. Our application today is pretty simple. Please celebrate the first advent of Jesus. And we should. Sing praises, sing carols to your Lord. Celebrate his first advent. His first advent was the good news that he came to save the world. But as you do that, make absolutely sure that you are preparing for his second coming advent. Because just as he came the first time, he will come again soon. And if you're not saved yet by submitting your life to Jesus, today's the day. Not tomorrow, not 2021. Today is the day to turn from your sins, to turn unto Jesus, surrender your entire life to him so that you and I can look forward to the day when our Jesus returns, to gather his people to himself in the kingdom of heaven. Hindsight is is indeed 2020, but so is foresight, thanks to the prophecies. If we listen and pay attention to the clearly stated prophecies about our Lord Jesus from the word of God, we will have hope. We will have joy. We will sing joy to the world. The Lord has come. Celebrate the first Advent this season and prepare your lives for the second Advent of Jesus. And may none of us find ourselves unprepared when Jesus comes to this earth again, to gather those who are patiently waiting for him. and Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to everybody. Merry Christmas to your family. May Jesus be the Savior he came to be for every single one of us. Please check your hearts today. Are you celebrating his first Advent, and are you preparing for his second Advent? Joy to the world. The Lord has come. Let's pray. Father, we are thankful for the message of the Word of God. We have the benefit of hindsight. We can look back at the Christ's life and say, "There He is. I can see it clearly. I can line up the prophecy with the life." But Father, there's another prophecy, and it's going to happen just as you said it would. To be surprised is to be foolish. You've told us exactly what to expect. It is coming. It's going to happen just the way you said it was. Jesus is coming again soon. I pray for the souls in this room and the souls listening online. I don't know where they stand with you. But I pray that just as I remember the day of my salvation, today might be the day of someone's awakening, someone's preparedness, someone's readiness, someone's salvation as they turn their life to Jesus Christ and says, I believe this prophecy And I believe the Savior has come. And joy to the world, I'm going to follow him. Father, give us that hope and confidence that we need. We live in weird times and weird days, and we need the hope and assurity of eternal life of Jesus Christ. Give it to us today by faith for your glory's sake. And we thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, everybody.